This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forster, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Well, hello and welcome back, my friend. And this week I'm joined by John Katz. John's got an amazing story of just traveling the world, having like experiences that most of us would be like, that's super cool. And in the midst of all that, then discovering that it's like, I need to work on me. And that's so many of us, right? We're going along, um, kind of looking for the distraction. And then John is the one who realized Hey, I need to do the hard work. And so that's what we're going to see, see in his story and super excited for this one. John, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm good. And you hit the nail on the head. You use two big words. The first is experiences. The second is distractions. And after 20 years of pursuing both, I realized they are one and the same. I've been lucky enough to have a lot of experiences that most people think would somehow liberate them. But at the end of the day, they all just serve to be very temporary distractions from more serious issues that I was running from. So I'm glad we kicked it off with that. Yeah, absolutely, my friend. Well, let's start in. What does life today look like for you on the business side of life? So currently, I have a number of income generating projects, none of which I thought myself worthy of before I turned my life around, and none of which are even close to the money I was generate, even close to the money I was making before I turned my life around. So just for point of reference, three years ago, I was working in a windowless warehouse, a room without ventilation. It was freezing during the winter and blazing hot during the summer. And I laugh because, not because there's any shame in that, but I, you know, I think there's actually a lot of dignity in every job in the world if the person is dignified in doing so. But I didn't really want to be doing any of that. It was my first job back in New York City, having lived in New Orleans for many years. And it was in local food, which is my passion, but it was pretty much the lowest rung. And I thought myself worthy of that. And just to think back of where I was then to where I am now is is laughable. So um, I'm an online coach specializing in helping folks get their mind and body right. That's one income generating project. I also am an independent project manager specializing in getting homes sale ready. So it's funny, we were chatting before, but um, I just recently finished a project preparing a old pre-war co-op. Um, the deceased had passed on. Her children were out of state. And I handled everything from uh, her unfortunate passage to turning the keys over to the realtor. Um, this is an independent project that, that I specialize in, and it's what I do around town. And then the third thing is I'm the director of operations for a local food brand. Um, it's an all-natural food brand that's located in the Adirondack Mountains in upstate New York. So these are three very diverse income generating streams that I had no access to because my self-worth was so limited. Now I believe myself to be worthy of these business situations and thus they're in my life. That's a heck of a transformation, man. Going from like feeling you're at the bottom and kind of in a box to now you're making impact in multiple ways in in various areas. That's that's a huge change, John. <laughs> Congratulations, man. Thank you. 
And I had to, I mean, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And so once I started doing one thing, living well, then everything I did in and around that uh, increased with me. So I'm super grateful for every part of the process and everything I had to do to get here. And the journey's just begun. I mean, we're just getting started. Yeah. No, I'm I'm excited to see where it launches off because I'm like, three, dude, I, I doubt that's the, the extent of the reach and the businesses you'll have in that area. Well, let's, let's branch over onto the personal side. What does life look like for you in the personal area today? So with personal development, creating the person I admire, it's something I work on every day. I have this daily process that I live. This is the same process that I teach. So that level of personal development has flowered. Now on the personal relationship side, I'm currently single and that's by design. One of the main issues I had when I was living negative and sick was unhealthy relationships with others. It, it was the biggest source of my pain. And because of that, I've been extremely, extremely intentional about pursuing interpersonal relationships. My heart is opening and I definitely will be partnered at some point in the future. Uh, but for now, I'm, I'm somewhat intentionally single is a lot of, I still have some, you know, we all have some growth to pursue. And the matters of the heart for me is something that I'm still working on. I need to ensure that I am a better version of myself. I, I, we were talking before about perfectionism. I'm never going to be perfect, but I'm interested in becoming an even greater version of myself before really putting myself out there because I'm interested in attracting someone at the level that I'm at in all areas. I want to raise that level. So let's touch on the other side of that as well. Like you're wanting to improve yourself and in our conversation earlier, we talked about like that whole perfection thing. So it's improve, improve, improve. But how do you then also kind of keep that balance where you don't hide and say, I'm going to continue improving? It's like, at what point do you say, yeah, I've improved enough to step into this area? Well, it ain't easy. You know, I've made, I've made a few attempts. I'm an all in dude for better or for worse. Thank God. Now it's better. So everything that I pursue, I'm all in. And uh, I have made some romantic entreaties since getting healthy, going all in very quickly. The fact that they haven't worked out, no skin off my back. But I know that there is some danger in pursuing some sort of perfect ideal John before being willing to go all in. So it's more like my attempts at becoming partnered have been more staggered and less far reaching and, and wide ranging. Uh, but there's some pain there for sure because you know, when you present a certain type of energy and isn't returned, well, that's where the that's where the desire leads to suffering. Um, I, I like that we started this one with the discussion of of the personal situation. It's not something I typically get into. Uh, yeah, I was in some unhealthy relationships. In fact, the dissolution of an unhealthy relationship was the catalyst for me to reach essentially my rock bottom and and turn my life around. You know, and drop all the nonsense and, and start living right. Um, but it's you know, it's something that I see in so many guys that they struggle with is this way of being present in their relationship. And I certainly wasn't. So now that I am present in my life every day, I am so eager to finally, at some point in the future, be willing to bring this present, accountable, abundant, loving, self-loving individual to someone else. So when we're in relationships, I know I was guilty of this before myself, and I've seen other men that, that do this as well, will often excuse you know, negative behavior that we're receiving or, you know, kind of participating in it just to normalize it. 
how did you get to the point where you're like, Hey, this isn't healthy and I'm able to be aware of it. Like you can see it and call it out for what it is and not just accept it because you're desperate for, you know, being in a relationship. Oftentimes that's, that's where it's like, I'm not whole unless I'm in a relationship with somebody. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, that's a false narrative that is being externally defined. A man's worth comes from being internally defined by the conduct, how they conduct themselves every day. If we let external things define us, whether it be being in a relationship, economic status, perception of others, then we'll be a servant to that. If we define our value by the way we feel inside, uh, the force we bring to bear on our own life, then we'll be internally defined and we can always define it that way. So for me, I was often externally defined. I would partner with very physically attractive individuals that I was not really there for, that the connection wasn't really there in a way that either party wanted, but I was receiving such a massive ego boost due to my scarce mindset and my low feelings of self-worth. If folks listening or watching, check out my before picture, you can see that that individual probably would have received a massive ego boost from being partnered with someone that society would consider attractive. But the attraction there was predicated on being externally defined. I didn't often seek partners that had a lot of common in common with values-based or any sort of deeper connection. It was more being validated. It was very negative. In my last serious relationship, you know, there was a lot of rifts. There were a lot of obvious issues between us that I did not pay heed to because I was getting such a benefit uh, from from the relationship. And I finally realized, you know, there were the the cracks became chasms and Man, then we, we broke up in pretty interesting fashion. And then I realized after working on myself that the next relationship I enter into, it has to be so much deeper than just some service level attraction. Yeah. And I think that's often what we'll accept because we're just kind of of that mindset of, Hey, this is the best I can do. Or, you know, this gives me validation. Right. So let's, let's jump back because you've talked about you know, different things that kind of got you to where you were, you know, mentally, as far as feeling, um, low self-esteem and just kind of not seeing that, you know, you have that worth. How did like your childhood upbringing feed into that? Because too often, I don't think we take into account what we've experienced can determine who we see ourselves to be and what we we're you know like worthy of receiving or being in, involved in like what did you go through that that got you to that space yeah i did not have the most i did not have the best relationship behaviors modeled for me my folks i think do just the way things were back then they didn't really have access to the information we have now about being intentional and being present and being abundant and all of that and they never really worked out some fundamental challenges they had between themselves, you know, in their relationship. And so that inability to fully form a mature, long-lasting, fully dedicated relationship there showed me kind of poor fashion the way to go. And, you know, I wasn't really aware of what was going on, but we typically model the first relationship we observe. And so I definitely did so by being somewhat absent in not somewhat by being absent in my relationships. Uh, growing up, it was also somewhat of a chaotic home environment. So I internalized a lot of that chaos 
and it replicated itself inside of me. You know, kids are quite sensitive. They'll always absorb the energy and thoughts and actions of the people around them. And I definitely did so. And this external chaos that I absorbed became internal chaos. And then my actions and my relationships with others in my relationship to myself was quite chaotic through drug use and partying and these experiences and world traveling and all this, all these distractions and you know, the coupling of that external chaos and the internal chaos created a real serious struggle with mental illness. Very serious. Now, you mentioned here like you had some amazing, you know, opportunities and experiences. A lot of times people look at us and go, hey, if you're having this kind of life experience and living this lifestyle, that should make you feel okay. How is it that from like what you experienced that it's like that chaos internally still continued to to be present with you wherever you went, whatever you did, like how did that play out and like the experiences? Was that a way of trying to medicate and hide like the the chaos internally as well? Absolutely. The world traveler is someone that is not at peace with themselves. The uh, drug user and the Burning Man attendee, I went twice, is someone who is not okay with themselves. If I had been okay with myself, I wouldn't have sought to travel the world. Thing is, wherever you go, there you are. The naive individual, the individual I was, believes themselves to be able to escape themselves. Such a thing is patently absurd. The apartment in which I got healthy was about 350 square feet. It's not the apartment I'm in now. Um, and I traveled farther in that space for the months it took me to become the version of myself that I could be proud of than I had the many years I spent traveling. I worked for years around the world on various agricultural projects. It's where I fell in love with uh, producing, distributing, consuming food locally, small-scale agricultural projects. And these projects were brilliant, and I pursued them because of my love of local food, and I don't regret any of them. I love them, and I learned a lot about the earth and myself on them. But the true motivation for those projects was not anything having to do with ecology. It was having to do with running for myself, fleeing. If I just go to this country, maybe I'll find peace from my, you know, away from my past. If I just spend this amount of time, maybe I'll find peace uh, and be able to come. And I wasn't even interested in coming to terms. It's on the contrary, the man who is running will never come to terms with himself in his past. The man who is present, physically present, not moving, will be able to come to terms. And it was only when I stopped fleeing, physically fleeing, I I, I met up with a friend um, who's in AA. I'm not in AA, but we were talking about survival tactics and running tactics. And he said, John, what you were doing in AA is called doing a geographic. So I love that. So I was doing a geographic to New Zealand. I did a geographic to Spain, to France, and I had all these wonderful experiences. I was trading my labor for farm. Uh, I was trading my labor for room and board, labor on these farms, and I would have all these wonderful experiences, but I still had that pain within me. I still had that unresolved BS in me. I still had all the traumatic experience I saw as a, a kid within me, and I never came to terms with them until I stopped doing a geographic and started to heal in a tiny fifth floor walk up in lower Manhattan. It was, it was truly brilliant. The travels I took within trumped all of the years of travels. I went around the world multiple times. What got you to that point to just say enough is enough. And I was thinking, I was thinking about suicide. I was seriously considering removing myself from this plane of existence. I was so sick of my own self-destructive behavior, my own self-sabotage. 
my own pain, my own disrespect of others, my own unhealthy coping patterns, my own unhealthy pursuit of women, my own unhealthy pursuit of pleasure, my own fat gut. You know, I'd wake up in the morning and just look at myself and say, I hate you. You know, I was so upset with my body because I was upset with my actions. You look at yourself and you're not okay with what you see. It isn't because you don't like what you see. It's because you don't like the actions you took to get there. Everyone knows what they've done to put themselves in their situation. That's where the, re- the regret comes from. The regret comes from, I can't believe I look like this because I know I did all of these things to look like this. And the powerful individual that takes control of the situation says, I love the way I look, not even because of what it looks like on the outside, but I know every decision I had to make to get there. And that's where the power comes from. So like what, what things did you go through as far as, okay, you're at the point of contemplating suicide. Like, what did you do that said, nope, that's not an option. How do I change these things so that I do love myself? I do like myself and, and getting on the path to, to where you are now, like how, what happened within those, you know, those four walls. The first thing was to realize that my life was to be lived for others. You know, I was living it for myself and that's what drove me to the brink of self-destruction. As soon as I thought about my family and the people that would be harmed by my self-removal, I realized it's time for you to live for others. And that's when I understood that this life is not about me anymore. You know, living it about me made me not want to live. Making it about others made me want to live. And so I found a coach. I found an online coach that had been through the darkness, that had been through extreme levels of negativity and gotten through the other side much stronger and more abundant. Not only that, but who had coached others and had results in getting other people fit, uh, sober, healthy, ripped, positive, more abundant. And uh, I signed up with him and he gave me the blueprint to turn my life around, which I did, thank goodness. And uh, some months later, I had a six pack for the first time in my life. You know, this is a man I was so scarce that I not only cursed myself for my behavior, but I actually cursed my ancestors. I told myself I had convinced myself one of the worst lies I hear all the time, which is that I had the wrong genetics for a six pack. I mean, this is wild. The weak man cursing everyone, including his own forebears, the people whose existence allowed him to come into this plane of consciousness. These are the men and women I was cursing. And it was hogwash, of course. If you look at my after photo, you can see very clearly that my ancestors gave me everything I needed to get a six pack. And once I achieved that level of self-actualization, I realized that there was a new path for me. And this is the path of online coaching, the same path that I had walked to get myself healthy. I am now walking to get others healthy. What was like the first step that you took from that point? Like on coaching or on the path to get healthy? On the, on the path to getting healthy. Oh, I had to be honest. I had to realize that I was the cause of all of my issues. Stop blaming others. There's no one to blame but myself. That was the biggest thing. That was the first and most important thing, that I was the cause of all of my issues. All of them. And that's the biggest hurdle for people because as long as they're able to blame someone else, healing is impossible. Well, this person did this to me. They weren't there for me. I have these issues because of them. I have this health condition because of this other thing. I can't lose weight because of this glandular issue. It's always something outside of ourselves. I don't have enough time. I can't wake up early. 
What else do I hear? I don't have enough money. That's a great one. That's my favorite one because that's the first step. If you don't have enough money, you've already failed. If you're too much of a broke lowlife to put down the bottle, which costs you far more than a coaching program, put down the cheeseburger, which costs you far more than a coaching program, and start to live your life in a way that would actually save you money by stopping you from destroying yourself with drugs and booze, which costs you a lot of money, then you've already failed. It's a self-screening mechanism. But I've heard every excuse under the book, and it's always about what other people have done to us. Once I put down those excuses and realized that nobody was coming to save me, nobody could do it for me, that self-sabotage is the only way to lose, I was like, oh, wow, I'm actually in control. I can actually control my life and my destiny. And in bringing that control to myself, that's where the self-control comes from. You know, the drug user and the boozer and the dating app person is out of control. They are, they have ceded their control to these things. I, I put a reel out today that sobriety is power. The, uh, drunk individual, the substance reliant individual, even the overeater has ceded his or her power to these things outside of himself. As soon as you cut those things off and you take the power back yourself, I was able to say, John, this is all on you. And once it became all on me, that was it. Then it was just, clear the internal debt, karmic debt. And I had a massive mountain of karmic debt. You know, I'd be in tears every morning, sobbing, seeing the faces of the people I disrespected, the, you know, the cheating I had done and all that horrible interpersonal stuff I had done. Thinking about all the drugs I had done, all just the people I had harmed. It was awful. Clearing that karmic debt and realizing that I had caused all of this karmic debt. I was in pain because I had caused other people pain. Nobody had put me in that situation but me. I'm glad you asked that. It's about saying it is up to me to change. Yeah, because often I think we give away our power. And, you know, it, it, I think there's a fear of, hey, I am more powerful. And in order to get past that, we'll often just relent, give it away. Um, how did, how did you handle Cause you were talking about, you were, you were doing medicating, you know, leading up to it, right? You, you had done drugs and different stuff. How did you go? Hey, this is my responsibility. I'm in control. I'm the one that can decide yes or no. How did you then put those things that had helped you? How did you just stop them and put them off to the side and say, that's not the answer anymore. My change, my growth that's the answer. How did you just walk away from the stuff that you had um, medicated with? I had to replace negative behaviors with positive ones. I, you know, I was a negativity addict. If I was addicted to anything, it was negativity. Can you explain that yeah. one a little more? Absolutely. I had created a persona that I was so closely attached to. It was seeking comfort in pain. I know this sounds wild, but I guarantee you a lot of people listening and watching know exactly what I'm talking about. I created a narrative, a persona, a personality that was this pained individual, unhealed, traumatized, broken, bereft, empty, angry, bitter, resentful. And this is who I was. So how on earth could I be anything else when I was this thing? So when you strip all that away, there's a big void. Taking away a negative doesn't create only create a positive. It actually creates a void in the person that only knows how to be negative. So I had to fill that void with positive and this is habitual construction. The man that you are speaking with today that everyone can feel the energy of right now has been habitually constructed on the ruins of the old man. So your new life is going to cost you your old life. So in creating this new life and habitually constructing this new man, 
I had to discard all of those old things. Uh, sleeping in, done. I now wake up early. I presently wake up at 4 a.m. every day. When I started, I think it was just pre-dawn, you know, for some weeks. Um, the old person never worked out, couldn't get a six pack, wasn't a gym person. I train every day, sometimes multiple times a day. The old person was at the buffet eating whatever he wanted and hating himself after. The new person eats in a conscience congruent manner. So I don't wake up with a fat, massive gut again. The old person used drugs and alcohol to avoid doing difficult, but necessary emotional and internal work. The new person does not use any substances at all and understands that the reliance on self trumps the reliance on these external things. So I'm happy you asked some great questions. What was I able to do by taking away all these things I'd become accustomed to? Well, I had to add new things that I wasn't accustomed to. Extremely uncomfortable things, extremely difficult things. I couldn't do a single pull-up, not one. I could not do a single pull-up when I started this. I was cursing myself, my heaviness. I was almost 200 pounds. It was, it was awful. But through habitual construction, becoming a man who does these things, you have to do them. If one wants to become a person that cares about their life, they need to care about their life. You can't, there's no other way around it. You have to take the action that builds a person that has the habits that will then construct the person that is more positive and abundant and is going to make more money, is going to be more loving, is going to be more present. And that's what it is. And yet, oftentimes we'll look at like what you're talking about with the habits and those decisions and, and, you know, having goals as those are the constraints. And yet everything you listed out is the freedom that we're wanting, you know, the end objectives. Um, I want to kind of go back to talk about, you know, you were talking about habits in there. Oftentimes when people are making change, they may backslide a bit. How do you get beyond that where it's like, okay, I was able to do a pull-up and now I'm, you know, that was on Monday. Now it's Wednesday and I'm struggling to do a pull-up and you're frustrated with yourself. How did you There's continue to move here. forward? The, the first thing is progress is never linear, ever, mm. never. Anyone that tells you otherwise is lying to you. Secondly, Failure is the down payment on success. I've never heard anyone else say that. Something, you know, there's plenty of adages that, that a lot of people use. This is one that came to me recently that the successful person has bought that success with so many failures. When you work out and there's a style of working out where you are doing reps to failure, you are pushing yourself to failure. So the typical individual would think, I failed. I'm a failure. When you are pushing yourself to failure, you are showing yourself that you are willing to push yourself to your maximum limits. And actually, when you go to failure, you push past your limits. Whatever you think that your limits are, you are pushing past them to go to failure. So I don't view, I mean, there are certain back steps that are pretty unconscionable. Like if you want to set your life back and you are, you know, living a certain way, and then one night you decide to go out and buy a bag of drugs and a bottle after not having engaged in that for a very long time, and you do that, you're really harming yourself, but human errors and cause these small issues. Of, and that's the issue with perfectionism. We were talking about perfectionism earlier. Using those small setbacks and slip ups as a way to give up on your program is a way of not doing it in general, because then you can use this perfection ideal, which doesn't exist as a way of saying, well, I slipped up. I guess I'm a failure now. No, one of my mantras, and I actually do tell myself this is whenever there is some impediment to my progress, I'm think to myself and I say, well, 
guess I'm obese now. And that's not a lie. I, I, that's what I repeat. And that's a way of laughing at whatever the situation is. The subway isn't running. Something occurs. I lost my home in an apartment fire. We can talk about that as well. But my mantra for that and everything else is, well, I guess I'm obese now. And of course I wasn't. If we're in control of ourselves, it doesn't matter what happens around us, including an apartment fire. We can get through it. So yeah, small setbacks, issues, it's going to happen. Just don't beat yourself up about it. Don't make it any worse than it already is. Don't give up and keep pushing. Like I always ask my clients when they have setbacks, how long do you plan to be alive? Most of them are in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. So if they say 40 years, okay, so are you going to let this thing that might set you back? I don't even know. I don't even try to think about time. It's, it's, it's wild, but I'm, yeah. People take it way too seriously. They need to take the process seriously, not the result. That's another thing that holds people back. They only care about the result and they don't care about the process. That's a great way of short-circuiting your progress. When you care only about the process and you don't care about the result, you'll fly towards it. Well, if I'm understanding, like, if I was focused on the result only, the experience that you gained, like the knowledge that you gained from, uh, you know, like the farming, that would be somebody that's looking at it like, well, that was a waste, but you have instead flipped it on its head. And this is something that is not only beneficial for you, but now it's in a benefit for those around you. So even though we may have challenges along the way, those experiences and the knowledge that we've learned, we can turn into something good. Is that accurate? 100%. For okay. It's all a bit, it's all a bonus. Let's say I had been kicked out of every farm. I didn't learn anything and it was a colossal waste of money and I came back destitute and sick. Well, it's still a bonus because I learned how to not self-destruct. I wasn't programming then, but let's say I did that now and I lost all my money and then this home burned and everything was taken away from me and I woke up the next day and I continued to be an abundant individual. What that shows is that through mindset training, you can deal with any external pressure. So it's all a win to the Strong mindset having individual, it's all a win. To the weak mindset having individual, it's all a loss. So which one does one want to be? The person that looks at every situation and sees how it isn't benefiting them or the person that looks at every situation and seeing sees it how it is benefiting them. Even if you are taking a loss or something negative occurs and you can learn a lesson from it, well, that's a benefit. I bought this lesson for this amount of money. I bought this lesson for this amount of time. I bought this lesson for this amount of pain. That's why I train so hard because every time I do physical training, I learn a massive lesson. I learn an enormous lesson every time. I find my answers every time. I've been doing Muay Thai. I had to find something else to do since I got hired at this as the director of operations and my game stepped up in the professional sphere. I had to step up in my personal development sphere. So I thought to myself, what is the most challenging thing you can do to build yourself that you have no knowledge base in? And I found a Muay Thai gym near my place and I started Thai boxing a couple months ago. And I am getting my butt kicked, literally and figuratively. Every day you go in there and you are struck very violently and you strike others very violently. This is coming from someone who had zero martial arts training, who hadn't started working out until he started this program two and a half years ago. So I found literally the most difficult thing for me to do physically. And I went to do that. And every time it is brutal. I trained this morning. It was brutal. I mean, these people are really intense. And every time I'm so grateful for it because it shows me that my limits are all self-imposed. If I had just taken this new position and accepted the increased uh, comfort, I would have become more comfortable and I would have fallen off. Uh, 
you only lose in your winning season, right? So why not inflict more adversity? So then you're essentially forcing yourself to win and push yourself and push yourself. And that's the mindset I have. Whenever my life gets upgraded, I know a test is coming, so I have to make it more difficult for myself. Yeah, I've often heard that people will kind of build a business or build their career to a certain point where they feel like they've attained success and then kind of back off or, you know, quit putting their their foot to the gas. Um, so what you shared with a mindset, I'd love to apply it um, to your experience with the apartment fire. Um, but if you would first like share, like what happened with the fire? Oh, I was an idiot. Like, like all things, this, this is a classic one. I left some incense burning like a complete fool. Like let's not, there's no other way. I mean, everything is on us, but this one was especially on us. Now I'd done this many times before. That doesn't mean anything. It just shows that I had been an idiot many times before. So let's make that clear. I had been an idiot, let's say a hundred times before and taken this idiotic action. And on the 101st time, set a fire to my place, total loss. Fire department came, busted through the windows and the ceiling. It was wild. It was, you know, it was, I came back to the place. It was like a movie. My, one of the neighbors called me and said something was wrong. And I went back and it was, it was tough. It was the middle of the summer, August 1st of last year. So coming up on a year, about, you know, 10 and a half months ago. And I uh, lost, lost everything. I lost nothing because everything I had was inside. And the next morning, I woke up at 2.45. So knowing that, you know, I was in some crappy hotel in Brooklyn. I had been kicked out of my place. Like the Red Cross had been by there. The fire department, police department, my place was taped up. I didn't know what I was going to do. All my stuff was soaked. It was the middle of the summer. I essentially had no sleep. And my mindset dictated that, John, you have to give more today. You have to be more abundant. You have to be more present. So instead of my normal 4 a.m. wake up, I got up at 2.45. I did a bunch of burpees and I hauled myself to my apartment pre-dawn. It was dark. Everything was boarded up. It was extremely humid. I had nothing but my camera light and I packed up what I could and hauled it up to my parents' house. And man, that was, it was pretty intense. I mean, you can imagine I was living on this, the place where I got healthy, the 350 square foot apartment, the fifth floor in a walk-up building on the Lower East Side in the middle of summer, no power, no air, just muggy, seeing my life's possessions totally soaked and waterlogged and smoke logged and I had to do what I had to do to, to, to make it through. I knew that people were coming through tomorrow. The place was all taped up. It was a crime scene. There was a whole situation. But had I not been training my mind for so long to react to all stimuli with the same abundant mindset, I would have. This is what drives people to asylums. This is what drives people that are really in dark places to really take that step, go back to using, go back to drinking, finding coping mechanisms. But I knew that none of that would work. And so I went in and I used my internal coping mechanisms, physical exercise, sending love no matter what, no matter what sending love. And, and I was able to do so. And I lived with my folks for many months and I was abundant there. I started helping them out, coaching them, brought up some trauma that they hadn't processed from 60, 70 years ago. Like that's the point I'd gotten to in my own abundance. I was able to coach my folks through some really deep seated pain, like did some serious one on one coaching with them. And also like a group coaching session with both of them worked through some serious issues. And one thing led to an another, you know, my economic circumstance was pretty good and it was improving and improving. And then I was able to buy this place. Like, and I was only able to buy this place because my other place burned. That, 
that's one of those sometimes the things that happen. I don't think we see them as a blessing in the moment. It's all because, a blessing. Yeah. And we just go, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Woe is me. Um, not stepping in and, you know, stepping up harder to say, okay, what's good about this? What does this allow and enable me to do that I couldn't have done necessarily before? It sounds like you got a kick in the butt to kind of, hey, take the next step. Is that accurate? I had to. I had to. It was an extreme motivator for me to step my game up in every way to become abundant enough to make this next move and also to be able to bring that love. My folks got COVID shortly after I moved in, both of them. I didn't, but both of them did. They're in the 70s, so it laid them low. They had adverse reactions. It was highly unpleasant. And had I not been there, it would have been even more unpleasant for them because they were essentially bedridden. So then I became their valet and and I, I stepped into a role that I wished to have, which was reliable, abundant, you know, strong. I didn't get COVID, but I was around them like crazy. People were like, how on earth? I haven't been sick in two and a half years. I've not gotten sick, truly sick in a way that's incapacitated me since I stopped making excuses for my behavior. When I was living sick, I was sick all the time. I would get colds and fevers and like sore throats and runny noses and all these back pains and like awkward chafing situations and rashes. It was horrible. It was horrible. And after I got healthy, I became extremely strong. When you live your life a certain way, things that used to affect you aren't even, there's so much psychosomatic, there's so much mind affecting the body in fitness and in health and all that, that I just, that stuff doesn't affect me anymore and didn't affect me. And the fire obviously affected me in a way, but not in the way it used to. I was shooting long form YouTube content at that time weekly videos about food and culture, some philosophical musings and, and editorials and stuff like that. And then after the fire, I started shooting essentially coaching and more metaphysical, hard-nosed stuff. And I put out a, you know some dozens more videos after that. Now I'm mainly focused on building my uh, content on IG. But the, the content that I was, because I was YouTubing uh, relatively frequently, the content really, there's a dividing line between who I was before the fire I mean, in my life, there was, there is, because it also showed me that it can all be taken from you. Whatever things we all think we have can all be taken from us. And although I'm in a much better spot materially now, those changes are largely meaningless because I know I could lose this in an instant. And it's why there are so many rich and miserable people in New York City. They have everything that people who are not rich believe will make them happy. And yet they aren't happy. So it's actually doubly worse for the rich people because they have what society tells them that they should be happy from, and they aren't. And it's because their habits suck. And it's because they don't love themselves. It's because they don't love their kids. It's because they're ungrateful for their life. And so I actually advocate for every rich person in New York City to have an apartment fire. I'm not saying I was rich. I am saying that the apartment fire made me grateful, forced me to be grateful in a way uh, that I could not have been before. So as you got coaching, and you are coaching now. What do you see that for, um, you know, like people that are coming through when it doesn't feel right? How do you guide them in being able to move beyond that barrier of this doesn't, you know, align with what I've thought? Almost like when we go, you know, we've been playing golf a specific way, you know, having our swing there. 
And then a golf coach comes through and goes, yeah, that's not the right way. Um, let's try this. And it feels unnatural. How are you helping people to move beyond that? This doesn't feel right or this doesn't make sense. Well, I ask them to look at the results they have in what they're doing. So if the results they have in what they're doing before we work together, put them in a place where they're interested in changing their life, clearly they're not happy with those results. So they have two options. They can go back to doing what they used to do, which made them overweight, poor self-talk, negative self-worth, uh, issues of body, anxiety, depression, resentments, guilt. You know, they, they know that. But they can return to that. Or they can try the coaching program that they signed up for, which states that discomfort and growth are synonymous, that we have to break the patterns in our life by breaking the patterns of what we do every day, that what you do every day matters, and to follow the footsteps of someone that has results in the field. Yeah, absolutely. Well, John, there are a ton of different questions <laughs> and directions I would love to continue to go. But uh, man, how can how can guys reach out and connect with you outside of this podcast if they're like, hey, this totally resonates with me. I get John and where he's coming from and I'd love insight. How can guys connect with you outside of the podcast? They can shoot me a message on IG at NYC Foodways. That's N-Y-C-F-O-O-D-W-A-Y-S. If folks listening are interested in just absorbing knowledge and understanding way to live a healthy lifestyle, I post content every day around physical fitness, mindset tips, recipes. There's lots of food content because I care a lot about you know, what I ingest. It's actually the cornerstone of my coaching philosophy is what we put into ourselves is what we put out of ourselves. And um, yeah, I highly encourage everyone to check me out on IG to just get a feel for what I'm doing and why. And if you're interested in changing your life, because we all should be, shoot me a message at NYC Foodways. Absolutely. And I'm like, yeah, we all should be because you even shared, hey, you're stepping up your professional level. You need to step up your, you know, personal level. So it's like it absolutely makes sense that we should be continually striving to um, improve and get out of our comfort zone. So, John, thank you so much for joining me today, sharing your story and the progress and, and just transformation you're making in your own life and in the lives around you. I appreciate it, my friend. Thanks, Mike. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode. And remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one. <laughs>